out today just by reading Acts 8. This, I think, will be our last series going through one of the eights of New Testament, but we'll see what God does next week. And Saul was there, giving approval to his death. This is straight after Stephen's just been stoned. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there, where the crowds heard Philip and saw miraculous signs he did. They all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So there was great joy in the city. Now for some time a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great. And all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip, as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the, apostle, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them and that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying, hand of, laying on of hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered him, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry, because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, Pray to the Lord for me, so that nothing you have said may happen to me. When they had testified and proclaimed the word of the Lord, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel in many Samaritan villages. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down to, from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in the charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot, reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading? Philip asked. How can I? He said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. 
as they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariots. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When they came out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Lord, I pray that you'd bless this reading of your word, just our time together. pray that you'd open ears, open hearts, like we heard last week, that there's the parable of the sower. So be careful how you hear. Open up your ears, open up your hearts, open up your minds. You may have heard this before, but I pray that you would hear it in a new way today. I pray that you would open up the, the idea and the, the, the need for transformation. Whether you've been in church for five minutes or 50 years, you still need to be transformed into the likeness of Christ. Lord, I pray that you would you'd speak through me, speak to me, speak through us, Lord. I pray that you speak to our entire church today. That you would anoint the words that are said, the, that what is preached, what, what is heard. Uh, I pray that you would have your way this morning. In Jesus' name. So I've been watching this YouTuber almost non-stop this week. Uh, so I'm going to play a little video of it and I'll explain a little bit why. So part of watching all of those videos or that whole lady's channel, she, she sets up a microphone and she goes and asks questions to random strangers and asks questions like what you saw there. Some of them, it's what's your deepest secret? And they, they, they ask them to share your deepest secret and then actually just walk away anonymously or if you feel brave enough to actually turn around and show your face. And just the... the the depth of pain and the frustration and the hurt and the, what people are walking around with just struck me. And like, I almost couldn't stop just watching and seeing what people are going through. And I felt God just showing me of just what people are going through here. And it's the, the lie of the enemy is it's like, actually, just keep it a secret and put on like a mask and put on a face so that people will actually love you and accept you. And they, I mean, some of the deepest secrets, it's like I've had multiple abortions. I wish my dad would contact me. I gave up a child for adoption. I pretend to be competent, but I'm incredibly insecure. And they, they go on and on and on. And it's, it's sharing these secrets and sharing the deepest like pain. And then it's like, what's the most painful thing you've, you've been told? And some of them, it's actually you, you've got cancer. Some of them, it's you were a mistake. You're not the person you used to be. People like you don't do that. People like you can't succeed. You're not conventionally beautiful. And it's these types of words that like sink so deep into your soul. And then like there's the, the contrast between on one side, so many of the words were incredibly superficial that it was longing to just be beautiful one of the videos she creates she goes and she's like oh, i'm just filming filming things that are beautiful or that i find beautiful so can i film you and people are like what, what? <laughs> why me 
and men, women, everybody. It's like I've, you've never been told that you're actually beautiful. And it's a strange concept because it's like one of the, the funniest videos is she actually gets two random men to stand next to each other. And it's like she's basically saying, I don't think the men here have really been complimented in their lives. And especially not by other men. So she gets them to stand up next to each other and actually compliment each other. And like the deepest thing that they can come up with is like, hey, I like your shirt. <laughs> and like, fair enough, they've, they've never met these guys. But I was just struck by people are walking around with such deep insecurities and hurts and pain and longing to just be told they loved and beautiful and cared for and wanted and whether you a man or a woman I know that whether you admit it or not you deep down you're longing to be accepted deep down you're longing to actually measure up to say you're worthy you're worth something you are you are loved you are cared for I, I could go around the room like complimenting you guys but I actually thought, yeah, I realized like, if you ask me, it's like, I wish I could be more the man that I want to be. Somebody, yeah, somebody said something about me to somebody else that came back to me and it was like, this person almost is a stranger to me. We were in the same church for a while and just by observing me from a distance, and they heard that I was a pastor now. They said something like, seriously, how can he consider himself a pastor? When he walks around like this or like that. He doesn't have this personality trait. Or he doesn't have this attitude. And like that's from a stranger. And it just cut me so deep. And I'm just like, it played in my head for like a week. And it was like, no, you know what? Like That means nothing because... That is not what determines my future. That is not what determines what God can do in and through me. Far deeper one was somebody who I really looked up to and still do. And knew me well and said, you know what, you're theologically arrogant. And it hurt because there's truth in it. And I, I can be arrogant and I can have a certain knowledge on the truth and then because of that I evaluate that compared to other people but I knew this person and I knew they knew me and what I had done with what God was doing in me and the use of my gift and yeah it hurts even more because they could see how I was wrestling with trying to deal with what I was seeing and yet they still said it and it created like a, a thing inside of me that has carried with me for years. Yeah. And the final one is it's, you don't have the right personality to do what you feel called to do. And that wasn't necessarily words that were spoken over me, but it was just the general consensus. <laughs> So I don't know what your secret is. I don't know what the words are that's been spoken over you. I don't know what the dreams are 
that you have that actually, because of dot, 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 I can't achieve it. Because I'm just this. Because I'm stuck here. Because I'm stuck in this role. The reason why I'm preaching on this today is we're looking at different lenses. And for me, this lens that I think God wants to show us in Acts 8 is actually a lens of transformation. That I long for Trinity Central to be a place where people come in and they find restoration. Where they are raised up. And then they are released. That no matter, no matter where you come from, you can find healing here. No matter what's been said over you, no matter what you've done, no matter what your past, when you come to God, He can come and heal and He can restore and He can build you up and then He can raise you up and He can equip you and He can strengthen you and He can place words of wisdom and knowledge and just power inside of you. He can anoint you with the Spirit so that he can send you out. And sending you out may be just interacting with your friends and your family and your colleagues. Because being sent out doesn't mean you're necessarily being sent across the world, but you're actually being sent into your workplace, into your family, into your environment, into your workspace. And you're bringing transformation and healing and you're extending the kingdom. That is what church does. We look at it and we think like, ah, everything has to be going right for us to be extending the kingdom and for God to be working. Acts 8 is literally after Stephen has just been stoned and Saul is persecuting the church. And it's, God, what are you doing? And he's like, you know what I'm doing? I'm taking Philip, who was a waiter, who was a servant, who was a deacon in the church in Jerusalem because he wasn't called to preach at that time. And he was sent out 56 Ks to Samaria. Samaria, we know, were the, it's like we've got the story of the Good Samaritan. They were the outcasts. They were the people that had like mixed their faith with other practices. So they were looked down on. And straight away, Philip is sent. And I'm like, I'm going to go and preach to them. And he preaches the gospel and he transforms the city. And he transforms the thing. Even that Simon, who's the sorcerer, who's the powerful guy, who's the guy that everybody's looking to, is actually saying, you've got something I want. You've got the power. So where is God going to send you? You, We think about it and it's like, okay, Philip was sent there. It's like, no, but God wants to send you, Warren. Or you, Warren. (laughs) He wants to send you into a place where it's actually, you know what? People are captivated by Simon and this powerful demonstration. And he's the guy who's got money. He's got influence. In our society, it's whether it's political leaders or people like guys that are successful in business, attractive people. It's like people that have got it all together. It's like those are the people that everybody looks to and saying, okay, you've got something. You must have it right. They're all looking there. And then actually we step in as mismatched people that like we've broken down, messed up past. We haven't got the right personalities. Everybody says we can't do it. And you know what? Because God says, actually, you are equipped and you're called and I'm setting you in a place we can do it. And we've got words of life that can actually say, you know what? I'm not powerful. Jesus is powerful. Simon said the opposite where he's like, no, 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 I'm powerful. Look at how powerful I am. When he was confronted with the power of Jesus, he said, no, I've got nothing. I just need what you have. So Philip goes from being a servant in the church to actually being sent out. 
So he, he actually becomes like an apostle because he's sent by the Spirit of God to go and minister in Samaria. And then he's sent down to actually minister to the eunuch, uh, Ethiopian eunuch. It's like, it's one of the most powerful displays of the Spirit where he goes and he ministers alongside him and then suddenly he's not there. I'm like, I didn't even know what that is, but we make sci-fi movies about it. It's like this teleportation by the power of the Spirit. I've never had that, but it's pretty cool that it can happen. You see, Philip transformed from a deacon and serving to actually being sent out and preaching. We see Simon transformed from a power hungry, like he's trying to use his money to a point where he's actually is baptized and he's searching. So like Simon the sorcerer becomes like a Simon the searcher. We, we don't hear whether he actually finds it or not, but there's something of that transformation. But then there's, there's also the Ethiopian eunuch who's, if, if you understand the culture of that time, it's like, I mean, we won't relate to it now, but like the, the whole thing was you wanted to have kids. You wanted to have a family. It's, it's like I say, sarcastic, we, we won't relate to it now, but that same longing is deep down inside of us that everybody's searching to try and find somebody to live life with, somebody to, to love, to care for, to, to have the beauty of having kids and it's hard to talk about because sometimes we don't have that and we, we're longing for it and we're still searching and we're saying, God, what are you doing? How are you wrestling here? What, what are you going to do? And there's a deep, deep, di- deep desire to be loved and to be cared for and to be looked after in that way, to, to find your security and find your future. You can understand this Ethiopian eunuch is sitting in a time where it, it was far more that your family was almost everything. That was your legacy. That was what would secure your future. That was what you, you created a name by who your father was and who your kids were. And it's, it's into that <coughs> that God is basically speaking and ministering. Because not only did he not have that, yet they had made it medically impossible for him to have that. That was why he was able to actually be a high-ranking political official, was because there was no threat. There, there was a lot less of a threat for him to actually go and try and establish his own lineage. An amazing thing, in, he's busy reading Isaiah 53 and saying, but what does this mean? And we, we know that Philip actually comes and he, he comes alongside him and says, actually, this is all pointing to Jesus. Because you can find healing, you can find restoration, you can find faith and hope and a a possibility of a future far better in Jesus than what you could on your own. Three chapters later, Isaiah 56. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenants, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. 
So whatever it is that you feel is holding you back, he is sitting there thinking, I'm a eunuch, there's no chance, there's no future, there's nothing for me. How can I be included in what God is doing? How can I participate? How can I produce sons and daughters and heirs? And Jesus says that actually I can do it. Through transformation, through baptism, he becomes a part of the family of God. And he says that actually everybody that is left behind, sons and daughters and mothers and fathers, I will give you even more in the kingdom. So it's like whatever it is you feel is the thing that's holding you back or the secret that you're holding on to. Kara, thank you for sharing because it took incredible courage. And the reality is if you keep those things hidden from this community, it is only you that is held back by it. It takes courage. You don't have to share it publicly here. But I challenge you, you have to share it to someone. You have to open up. You have to let God speak into that situation. That's a picture of what this eunuch was actually doing. He was taking his pain and he was going and he was worshipping God. And saying, God, would you come and transform me? And yet, he couldn't understand on his own. So God sends us community. He sends Philip along to actually say, I'm going to come alongside you and I'm going to help you understand it. And the picture of that for us is God sends us into church, into family, into community to actually say, you know what, Warren, you might not understand. Barry, you might not understand. But together we come along and we let the Spirit come and inspire us and show us what God is actually doing so that our lives can be transformed. So we can be transformed. So that our community can be transformed. So that our workplaces can be transformed. So our families can be transformed. So that those who need it would come in here and find restoration. They would find a place where it's actually, it's not not judgmental. But there's truth that is being spoken. And he confronts us where, you know what, actually that part, that lie that I'm believing needs to be corrected. Those practices in my life that are unhelpful will be confronted. Not in a finger pointing, like finger wagging way, but actually God's going to come and show us the paths that lead to life. So we can be raised up, so we can find that restoration and then be raised up so that God can actually release us. So that the thing that we think is the worst thing in the world, the persecution that comes on the church, is the thing that sends them out into the world. Everybody was sent out. Everybody was preaching. It wasn't the apostles. The apostles stayed in Jerusalem and the other, the, the people were sent out. So this is not just actually, oh, I come and then Andrew says some things. Or I come and then Warren says some things. Each and every one of you has a message, has an understanding of the gospel, has truth to share because it is your story. And Caro's story can touch people that my story can never touch. My understanding, my way of approaching God. My, we need each other, but I can never do what Julian's supposed to do. Or Ethel's supposed to do. I'd love for this to be a, um, a community of kindness. Um, and I, I was sharing just the other day at our, the kids' school, and sharing about like some tough topics and how to deal with people that are struggling with a lot of sin and brokenness. And, and the word that I got was actually God's kindness is what leads to repentance. And we always think about that as like, ah, yes. It's like actually God's so kind so that those bad sinners over there will come to repentance. 
And so we just have to just be kind. And it's true. But that scripture is actually in Romans 2. Where that instruction of actually don't presume on God's kindness was written to the Jews. Who had an, a mindset where it's like actually we're the good guys. We're not those sinners over there. Where it, it's just it's so subtle where it's actually don't presume on God's kindness because he's not constantly addressing what you're doing because you think actually I've got it all right it's actually the fact that God's he's he's being kind to you like whether you're in this blatant sin or whether you feel like you've got it all together and your mindset is it's like man I just got to fix those people over there and God's actually being kind to each and every one of us and so the, the, the thing is, it's like, how do we get to that repentance? And repentance is actually renewing and transforming our mind. It's a change of our mind. And so it starts by that. It starts by actually being confronted with those, those questions, whether it's the secrets, whether it's the, the words that's been spoken of us, whether it's the lack of our dreams, whatever it is, it's that identity, that idea that we are not good enough. Or it's the idea that we're so good and we're amazing and we're this. And it's actually this false identity. And God wants to come and transform our identity by putting himself in the center. So I I feel like I I need to say it every single week. We're Trinity Central, actually. It's like we put Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit at the center of our lives. And our lives revolve around him, not the other way around. He's not our genie. He's not our butler. He's not our like, go-to. It's like, actually, we, we don't just go to him. It's like, oh, there's a problem in my life. Fix it, God. It's actually, no, God, what are you doing? What do you want me to do? There's brokenness here, but what, what, what is wrong in my approach? Where have I heard you incorrectly? Where have I misstepped? Where am I actually just not believing the truth of what you've spoken over me? So we're going to have communion now. Um, we do this every single week because this is how we remind ourselves that actually our life is built on what Jesus has done, on his body, his blood that is sacrificed for us. Because of that, we have the righteousness of Christ. Because of that, we have the mind of Christ. That is literally, that is our spiritual warfare. We, we talk about spiritual warfare a lot and we like, how do we do this and how do we fight and how do we gain ground? It's believing the truth of the gospel getting it so buried in our lives that our mind does not run away with us. We're not worried about the future of the country because we know that God holds the future. We're not worried about the words that were spoken over us because we know what God speaks over us. We don't worry about like, what? ah, that person hurt me, that person did this. Who cares? What is your response? How do you love them? How do you care for them? What is God asking you to do with that situation? We're not worried about what's happened to our car or our business or our this because God is in control. We ask, what are you doing, God? How do you want me to respond? How do you want to use this situation to love people? So Jesus, I thank you for your body. I thank you for your blood. I pray that you would help us to understand this. Help us to let it sink deep into our lives. That we would be vulnerable. That we would be able to share these um, struggles these pain the pain the words that have been spoken over us and you just transform us lord